Ready? Born ready. Hello, hello. This is another Simply Paulette podcast. We're coming here today to just have another great continuation of the conversation that we were having about our loving ancestors who've gone on before us. And um, I'm excited today. I, Although I was intending for Victoria to be here, she decided to take a trip out of the country for a little while. <laughs> and uh, so she's unable to join us today, but I found just a wonderful, wonderful substitute for her. It is her sister, Winnie Rebecca Taggart. Yeah. I sort of stumbled over that last name because I'm so used to saying Washington. She's proudly married now and has a newborn son. Yes. And um, I thought just wrapping this up, how fitting is it that she is the new mother of my third grandson, but this grandson was born in the family house and named after his grandfather, Albert. His name is John Albert Lee Taggart. He has the name of his father and two grandfathers. So we <laughs> it's still just a uh, still something in the work as to what we're gonna call him. Cause initially we was calling him Ali, now we calling him Jolly. And sometimes I, I catch myself just saying Lil' John. I mean, he's a depiction of all of them to put together. So we're excited about that. And um, what is, is, is exciting to me, you have to give me a few minutes to get myself together because when I get excited, I sort of fumble over my words. I don't even have a stuttering problem. I just get so excited. I have trouble getting my thought completed before I jump to the next thought. But what I wanted to um, just revamp what our conversations have been, it is how we are coping with the loss of those we love, our ancestors, and what are some of our perceptions and convictions or belief that we hold concerning the afterlife. You had an opportunity in our earlier conversation to sort of hear um, Victoria tell about some of her travels and her explorations of experiencing different faiths and uh, having the opportunity to, again, choose Christ, but through the lens of being very informed of how others perceive God. We are fortunate tonight, uh, Victoria's did a lot of travel, but Winnie has been to 27 different countries. And uh, the longest stay I think, has been in China, would you say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And being in a communist <clears throat> country that um, where many things are forbidden in the open, even when I visited you there, I found it to be drastically different from what my perception of how it would have been. But um, I want you to just first make an introduction, and, and as your sister did last week, sort of give an introduction of, yourself and where you are and what caused you at some point to begin to get serious about what your personal convictions of faith was 
um, besides in how you were raised. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Mom. I am just honored to be in this space with you. So thank you for making room for me. Absolutely. Um, but uh, my faith was tested very early. When I went to college at Lincoln University, it was my first time stepping away from home, as you know. And during that time, I went through a very deep depression just because of the transition in life. You know, I left Georgia for the first time. I'm in Philadelphia, different people, different environment. Um, and I was very depressed. And I remember going to the chapel and I would uh, sit and I would just cry. And the pastor, Pastor Faison at the time, Reverend Faison, he would always just say, you know, just cry, baby, just cry. And when you're able to talk, we're going to talk one day. Right. So I probably cried for like three weeks, like mm -hmm. coming to the sermons, just crying, not able to articulate what I was going through. And I was just going through a spiritual transition and I was being tested. And I just want to iterate as I want you to get back into that. Mm -hmm. But I want to iterate to the audience some of the circumstances that was around. It wasn't just that you were leaving the fold the first time. You were one of the only one of my children that I encouraged to go away because you always sort of leaned upon your older siblings for their insight. I wanted you to sort of grasp your own take on everything. And I felt like as long as you stayed close to the fold, you were going to always lean upon it. Right. But being away from us, it wouldn't be so readily uh, accessible. Right. But in the process of that, after 30 years of being together, uh, your father and I divorced. Mm -hmm. And so when you went to college, uh, we fixed your dorm and everything, and then you were aware that things were changing, but you became extremely aware. And, and not being able to be a part of seeing all that process and everything, a lot of that played a, a very strong role in you being depressed because you knew you could never come back home to as it was. It would be new surroundings and Absolutely. new copings. So based upon that, you were learning firsthand in college how to build your own sense of community. Yeah. yeah. So I want you to continue from there. So I built my own community, yeah. And, you know, I was just being spiritually tested. You know, I knew the word. Like Victoria said, we grew up Pentecostal. I knew what chapters to read, what verses to read. I knew to do my praise and worship. But I was really just having to walk by faith and really read and live the word that I was reading. Right. Great. Um, that so was a good point. I, you know, it got to a point where it, it wasn't working. My depression was getting worse and I was becoming embarrassed. And I made the decision to move to Ecuador. I figured if I went abroad, you know, I wouldn't have to hide from anyone what I was really going through. Mm -hmm. And um, I went abroad for five months. And during that time, you know, it was probably my biggest testimony to date because mm -hmm. I here I was going in a space to seclude myself so that I could get over whatever I was going through. And God allowed me to, you know, gain lifetime friends. I learned a language that I'm now completely fluent in in five months. And mm -hmm. where I'm thinking I'm going there to heal myself, you know, it was God 
giving me a testimony and, and creating opportunities in my life that I never knew I even needed. Wow, that's yeah. that's wonderful. I I remember when you got to Ecuador, you were you second thought yourself and mm -hmm. you called me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm one of those parents that I believe when I believe my children need to walk a certain path. I just sort of back up and don't participate in helping you escape. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, going back to uh, what we're going to talk about, your grandfather, who's now deceased, yep. you leaned upon him. Yep. And in that moment, he was like, I'll help. But he gave a time that he he, he gave a delay of, of mm -hmm. that help. And I remember being so devastated because granddad to me was like rich. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I'm like, why are you not sending? And I remember it was only like five or six hundred dollars. Right. Um, but he was not coming through in that moment. <laughs> right. You know, he needed his time. And that just shows you just how God works because I did not need to leave that space. Right. And literally everybody I called on did not come through for me. <laughs> did not. No, so that's how I know it was a testimony. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did not need to leave there, that space. And looking back now, um, I mean, just the level of learning that took place spiritually, not even thinking about like the language I learned, but just spiritually what I went through is no way I would have experienced it elsewhere. Wow. You know, and living abroad is what really helped my spirituality to grow. You know, you mentioned China and because it is a communist country, you just can't walk around with your Bible and say, I love God and praise and worship, you know. Um, they do have Christian churches available, but you have to show your passport and you have to prove that you're like not a Chinese citizen. And it kind of gets very complicated and political. So the church space is not as welcoming as it is here. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I lived in China, a lot of times me and my American friends, we would have Bible study groups mm -hmm. at the house. Wow. And it required us to be very intentional about our walk with Christ because we had to plan it. Okay, let's get together. Let's have food. Let's talk about the Bible. No one else was doing that for us. Right. So living abroad is what really helped my spirituality go to the next level because it demanded a certain level of um, consistency from me. And it demanded me to seek what I needed because right. it wasn't rightly available to me. So this is, I, I want you to sort of, um, I, I'm enjoying this as your mother, but I also, uh, I want to uh, embrace the fact that this conversation isn't always taking place uh, as to people hearing it from a mature audience, right. but for people who are of all ages. Mm -hmm. So, I, as a mature woman, I can now look back and see how many things um, ties a person to their personal walk with God and their personal convictions. One, because I lived it and I recognize it and I know how to allow people to sort of walk in their own space without trying to temper it with the mannerism that is necessary for me. But I want you to share a little bit how the ability or the willingness on your part, even starting from Ecuador and all the 27 countries you've been to, 
how you have relied upon the instinct or the intuition or the leading of the spirit is many different ways we're describing how you take hold of certain experiences and begin to become familiar with how God speaks to you. And I want you to take a moment and show how all of those uh, trips in uh, different places and just following the leading of the Lord help you to be able to be walking in a surety of faith when you're losing everybody. Right, right. And as a young person, still being inspired to know that this is a growing experience rather than a devastation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, one thing I've learned in all these years is that the more I lose myself in Christ, the more I find myself. And I say that because I've always been a person that needs to know everything. I need to know where I'm going, how I'm going. I got to have it enough figured out that I can depend on myself. Um, so when I first moved to Ecuador, I'm just giving you those tangible examples you're asking for. When I first moved to Ecuador, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. Um, our family was not in the best financial space. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have anyone to lean on to financially. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I actually, I don't know if you remember, I sold my car the right. day before I left right. for Ecuador trying to pay for my flight ticket. Right. So I already put myself in a, a weird situation going there, not having, you know, all the resources I needed. And I remember every day I would walk to school and I would see this dark skinned guy. Okay. And what they call an Africano Americano, um, Ecuadoriano and like an African Ecuadorian. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing him every day and he was like working construction, but I never said nothing to him because I was like kind of nervous. You know, I don't know anyone there. I don't speak the language. Many, many days go by. I keep seeing them. I keep seeing them. We're making eye contact. And one day we just happened to stop and talk. He, this guy knew no English. I knew no Spanish. So we literally looked up every single word in the dictionary. Like, hello, goodbye. How are you? Like every single word we picked out together. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, this guy ended up becoming like my best friend in Ecuador. To the point where he sold chocolate and made $12 a week. Mm -hmm. And that was normal for their economy at the time. Out of that $12 a week, he was probably giving me like seven or eight. Wow. You get what I'm saying? And <laughs> yeah. this is a person, no romance, <laughs> no romance at all. Right. This is genuine friendship. This is genuine. I see you. I see what's going on. And I'm here to support you. You right. know what I'm saying? So that was one situation. And then another situation, I had my birthday in Ecuador. And these people at my university said, I want to, we want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate your birthday. And they ended up taking me to the beach and we did this crazy celebration. And God showed me for the first time in my life what genuine relationships look like mm -hmm. outside of your family. Right. Because like you said, I had to leave the nest. I had to learn how to depend on myself. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen genuine people to that extent for me 
Right. You know what I mean? It was always associated with my family or that's your mother, that's your father. But that's where God really started working with me when I lived there. He showed me how to recognize through the spirit that these people are here for you. Wow. So that was the first step Mm -hmm. in my spirituality, knowing because that's important who you're around. You right. know what I mean? Right. When you're weak, who can make you strong? Right. Who can you be vulnerable around? So God taught me how to be able to read people around me. That would be the first example, right? I would say. Um, and then when I lived in Ecuador, I almost got kidnapped. Mm-hmm. I remember. And, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and when I tell you, it was next level because I was actually headed to church. Right. I was trying to go to church. And most people in Ecuador are Catholic, not Christian. So Christian church. They say Christian, but it is under the umbrella of Christian. Right, it's under the umbrella. But when you're looking at structural buildings, you're thinking in that aspect, they have mostly Catholic churches. Right. Um, I was looking for like a more like Pentecostal Right, right. Um, thank you for correcting. Yeah, I just wanted people to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's different from the Protestant, but yeah. it's still under the Christian umbrella. Absolutely, thank right. you. So we were headed to this church, and we got in a taxi. And in Ecuador, you're never supposed to get in a taxi without calling one first. Mm-hmm. But again, I was broke, so I didn't have a cell phone. Right. So I never did that concept. I always just got a taxi off the road looking for an older person Mm -hmm. so that if something went down, you know, I can fight my way out of it. Right. So at this time, I'm with my friend who, again, was always genuine and there for me. We get in a taxi. We're headed to church. We're sitting in the back. He has headphones on. We're thinking everything's cool. And something just told me to look up. And I noticed that we were going in the road and our car kept like going like this. Well, the people can't see, but it kept abruptly stopping right. every five seconds. The car is just like stopping. Right. Right. So I turned around and I see another car that's following us. And I see that my driver keeps looking in his mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're looking in the mirror. Our car keeps stopping. I see another car behind us. And something in my spirit told me that it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any proof. I didn't know anything. But I felt something that told me that I was not safe. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're driving, and the car comes behind us, and a motorcycle pulls up on the driver's side. And the motorcycle looked at the driver. He looked at us, and then he immediately sped off. Mm -hmm. And that was my confirmation that this person also noticed that something isn't right, and he decided to get out of there. Mm -hmm. So I immediately, like, shook my friend, and I was like, hey, listen, hey, listen, something's going on. Something's not right. And because kidnapping in Ecuador at the time was so popular, not just for Americans, but natives as well. My friend immediately started freaking out and he's like, policia, 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 like telling him I'm going to call the police. The driver is acting like he doesn't know what's going on and he stopped the car. So we immediately like jumped out of the car. Mm -hmm. And when we jumped out the car, we run around the block and we were the same place that we had started. 30 minutes ago. Wow. And that's when I just started freaking out. I'm like crying because now I realize I just got out of something 
that could have like destroyed my life. Right. You know? And the reason I brought that up is because when I was in Ecuador, not only did God show me that the people, what type of people to have in my life and to recognizing that in the spirit, but to recognize when something doesn't feel normal to you, right? Everything you can't explain everything you can't articulate, but you know that you don't have these feelings every day. Right. I don't feel like I'm getting in a taxi every day and I'm going to be harmed. Right. But when you do feel that, believe it. Exactly. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I get and that. so living abroad taught me to believe what I was feeling. Wow. So I, I want you to segue those two things because one thing that I heard you say um, the first, well, one of the many lessons was that God began to show you what it means to genuinely have a community that was not your family mm-hmm. and to recognize when people are really for you. And secondly, was being able to not excuse what your spirit was signaling to you. Something is not right. Right. So with those two things in mind, now you came home, you and your husband from China, to spend time with your grandfather. To to the extent you brought property from him, from his estate, you was planning on building your home there, you were planning on having the baby and spending a great time with your grandfather. And you spent a lot of time with him talking about what these plans were and just going through the motions of setting things um, in order to do that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, just out of nowhere, he caught COVID and he passed away. And it was very devastating to you. I know to the point that you had already finalized all the details of having the baby in the hospital and everything. And then... I'm going to sort of inject what I feel, what you just said earlier, not feeling very comfortable anymore about being in the hospital with everything going on. You decided to have a home birth, and the uh, dual that you wanted to, is that the correct word? Doula. Doula. Uh Okay, the doula, because we used to call them midwives. Yeah, midwife. Right. So she was booked up, was not taking in any more um, clients for the year, and you decided you you employed a friend of ours who was one of those people who became a sense of community when you were in college. Mm -hmm. She had came down to visit. Her name, Cheryl Thomas. And Cheryl crafted a beautiful letter to this midwife Mm -hmm. requesting um, that she give consideration to birthing your child. The woman replied, we will schedule a meeting. Long story short, she had the baby in the house, and it was just one of the most um, beautiful, you know, childbirths I've I've ever experienced. So getting back, I, I know I can get long-winded. No, you're fine. But taking in consideration, again, the two things you said that you started learning in college and traveling abroad. One, to recognize a community that is beyond family. Two, being able to be very sensitive what your spirit is signaling. Right. 
taking those two things and losing a grandfather at and, and a grandmother and just had lost uh, my assistant, Julie Alexander, who was a part of helping raise you all. How did you take your faith to not only process so much loss, yet in the middle of transition of your own life, because now you're a wife, a new mother, and coming back home after years being gone? Yeah. So, you know... Everything's all about vocabulary, right? Yeah, so there's this new thing that is in education and in the workspace, and mindfulness. Have you ever heard of mindfulness? I've heard of it, but give, give us so some details. So mindfulness, they're teaching in the classroom now, and it's a form of meditation mm -hmm. to support children, you know, employees, just to get through life better okay. at ease, right? Mm -hmm. In the spiritual world, we would call it, talking to the Holy Spirit, you know, mm -hmm. having a little purge with God, mm -hmm. and then you're good. Now they're calling this mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So at the time of my pregnancy, I was reading a book called Mindful Birthing. Mm -hmm. And it always talks about how you have to do a body exam. So when you're sitting in a space and you're overwhelmed, exam your body spiritually. Just mm -hmm. exam yourself, right? Close your eyes visualize yourself and where you are and what you're feeling visualize the emotions but don't feel the emotions right okay. in mindfulness um so when i was going through this and i'm losing all these people i remember being so overwhelmed with grief but also thinking like if i let this physically affect me it could physically affect my child and i remember just having to go into a next level of meditation Mm -hmm. you know, and where it was almost like just floating. Mm -hmm. I was floating for months, just mm -hmm. floating. And I knew what was happening. I processed, you know, these people are passing away. I felt it, but I just felt like I was flowing. I was being constantly mindful that I was growing something inside of me. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't let all of that overcome me, uh, absolutely. you know? And so when I had him, I remember one night just getting extremely overwhelmed with emotion and I just like broke down and I just was overwhelmed that not that everyone passed, but at the ability to sustain mm -hmm. through the passing of everyone, you mm -hmm. know, and I just think, you know, when you think about how did you, how did you get through that? How did you sustain that? How did you not become too overwhelmed with you carrying a child? It just goes back to knowing that when you're listening to the spirit or what you think is the spirit, you're always going to be guided in the right direction, even if you don't know how. Wow. And let me make that make sense, right? Okay. So I felt not supported when I was trying to have a home birth. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I mean, my mm -hmm. husband said he supported me. You said you supported me, but I didn't feel any tangible support. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I was honestly, I was very nervous about it. Yeah. Because I've had children and I know how serious a childbirth can be. And I, my concerns were if something uh, goes wrong because a child can go breach for no reason. 
my concerns were, oh my God, I I can't handle one more thing going wrong. But right. it, it's no certainty in the hospital right. either. Right. So I, you know, I just didn't feel support from anyone. Right. And I remember being overwhelmed with all of this death that's happening, mm. and then overwhelmed because I'm feeling like I'm saying things and no one's listening to me. Mm-hmm. You know. And I remember just. Hearing this voice just telling me, like, I just kept hearing, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Just don't give up. And at the time, I think I was giving up. I was giving, something was telling me not to give up. But I was giving up because mm-hmm. I had already researched midwives. I had done everything I felt like I knew to do, mm-hmm. right? The only thing I had not given up was hope that maybe something would happen, right? right? And how we tied in, because like you said, Cheryl was sitting on that couch that day. And she said, I'll write the letter for you. And y'all sat there and wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think anything would come from that. Mm-hmm. But a beautiful childbirth came from that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just the spirit was telling me constantly, don't give up. And I didn't feel supported. And I didn't give up, but it provided me what I needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope I'm making sense. You are. You are. And I, I think just to, th- these are conversations, I tell you, I, I said we would do a continuation, and this has absolutely been an evolution even from part one. And I want to be able to revisit just different topics like this that has um, very deep-reaching ramifications, but sometimes we're not having those conversations in a place where people can uh, relate because we don't get to share how we got from point A to point B. You know, today it's been very significant that how you got through um, your grandfather and all of uh, grandmother and uh, Jewel, one thing that I heard from you, I was able to get through these things and process it because one, I realized that I could not be in this space and allow it to physically attack me in a way mm-hmm. that I could not function. So, you know, and then even being able to function, you had to, again, rely upon what the spirit was telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And and then that first thing is knowing that to even get the things you needed done in that space didn't come from your family at the moment Mm -hmm. because the support wasn't always in the way that you needed it, but it came again from a sense of a community Community. that was a support. So I want to sum this conversation up to anybody who may be listening to us that I think you've made some really great points. Um, There are many ways in which we can get through a process, but the, the most essential one is deeming yourself worthy enough to know that God loves you. He understands your unique situations and that there's no reason, there's nothing that can separate you from his love and that he don't understand, that he would ever leave you. There's nothing about your life or your experiences that God is not presently there the only thing that he needs you to do is to give him an opportunity to reveal 
himself to you. How do how do they do that? How do they give him an opportunity? How you you simply just have to have the belief system that there is something greater than you that is looking after you. Mm-hmm. That's it's just that simple. Yeah. And if you can truly believe that there is something greater than you that is looking after you, then even in your weakest effort, when you find yourself in a time of need, reach out to it. That's as simple as it is. And you will begin to walk a lifetime in developing that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I want you, I'm going to sing the verse of this song. I think I can remember parts of it, but I want you to um, come in with the, the uh, chorus part is your sister. And, um, and I want to leave the audience today with this. Um, I just want you to know everything about God is simple. You know, even when I was uh, crafting the name of this podcast, Simply Paulette, it's something about the word simple that it takes away the complexity. You just push back all the emotions, all the things that are coming after you, and just get down to the root of what may be the problem or the inquiry that you may have on a situation and God will bring the simplistic way of how he will walk you out of a storm so I want to leave you with this today and I want you to be encouraged as you are faced with the many obstacles that life can bring God never intended for us to focus on the obstacles we want he he intended for us to focus on how great he is to get us through it. So, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, with my soul. I want to thank you again for being here. This has been another episode of the Simply Paulette podcast. We enjoy you every week having conversations and trying to take the complexity out of life and make it simple. We'll see you again next week. This has been another production of the Jess Eldridge Media.